tonight, I catch up with Avi Yamini after his journalistic tour of duty in Israel. You're watching The Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. here with Avi Amini. We're at the ARC conference, which is a, a new intellectual activist advocacy group. I don't even know quite how to describe it. And frankly, I'm not sure if ARC itself knows how to define itself. Jordan Peterson is one of the key public intellectuals behind it. There's about 1,700 delegates here from 70 countries. And I'm delighted that one of the delegates is our friend Avi Amini. Avi, nice to see you. Good to see you, Ezra. You came here directly from Israel, where you were stationed for a couple of weeks as our on-the-scene reporter for the war between Israel and Hamas. Uh, it was very dangerous there. You had a bulletproof vest and helmet, as did Benji, your videographer. Why don't you just tell me a little bit about how it went? We watched all the videos, and we, and we sent them up by email to a lot of our viewers. Uh, maybe tell us the story behind the story a little bit. How was it? Were, what's the mood of Israel, and how were you? Were you afraid? Just tell me a bit what it was like. Yeah, absolutely, Ezra, and it's good to see you in London, yeah. of all places. But um, it, we arrived there in, in London, and I guess I didn't know what to uh, – in, in, sorry, in Tel Aviv, and I guess I didn't know what to expect because it was all so raw. We were actually there almost for three weeks. I realized that when I said that said the other day, uh, two weeks, but it was actually almost three weeks that we were there right after the attacks. As soon as those attacks happened, we thought – when we were talking and we said, all right – the, the, the media and the world seems to be on Israel's side. They've got about 48 hours and it was 100% right. 48 hours as we were landing, the narrative was switching, even though there was, you know, there was the rising toll of, of number of hostages that we, well, the rising death toll plus the, the number of hostages that have been confirmed. And I think now they're at almost 240. Um, and we didn't know it was eerie when we got there it was really quite there was no one coming out of their homes uh israelis were actually for the first time that i've ever seen and from what i what i understand speaking to you know everyday people but also my family that in the history of israel have they ever been that scared people just to leave their home not knowing because they witnessed terrorists actually come into what was considered safe communities. It may have received rockets in the past. They set up systems to deal with that. And it was, you know, hadn't been for a while. So people were really scared. There was no one on the streets. Every store was shut. There was actually rules similar to COVID restrictions, um, especially down in the South, as to whether you could... So a fast food place could be open. Most were shut. But... Um, Fast food shops could not, you couldn't sit there. You couldn't sit, dine in. Um, and as we were there over the three weeks, it relaxed from that side a bit. So by the end of it, I remember when we were first, there was this one um, supercharged station that we went to because we took a Tesla for the period. Um, Elon Musk had free superchargers. The, the closest supercharged station to the, in, in the south is in a, a place called Kiratgat. Massive car park for this outdoor mall, which was empty when we, originally got there by the end there was a bit of traffic getting in and out of it so it, it, it but even talking to the locals they said for this period this time of the year even what we saw at the end is 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 dead because people are still staying home in fact schools were still shut they're in a state of war um and it was it was scary and and heartbreaking and and there's such a mix of emotions i can tell you now my head's still um, processing what we went through the last three weeks and 
I almost feel guilty even saying that because what I went through is what I went, you know, I'm a reporter from Australia that didn't lose anyone. Don't know personally anyone that was kidnapped, but, um, but I felt, you know, just as a human, as a human, doesn't matter about your background, watching, um, those images posted by Hamas themselves, plus other witnesses, uh, the videos that came out and, and, and the, the barbarism, the attack, the, the, the severity of it. And as we learnt more and even going through those communities and seeing the aftermath ourselves, it, it was just hard, really hard to take. Um, and then and then on top of that, just seeing the world's reaction when it's so clear what's what's happened and what's going on. Uh, but uh, but I'm, I'm pretty proud about what we managed to achieve there in those three weeks. I'm glad you went. And, uh, of course, to be away from your family uh, is a sacrifice. Thank you for that. And they must have been worried for you, of course. Um, like you, I was shocked by the images that uh, Hamas bragged about. I mean, they live-streamed it. They boasted about it. Even the Nazis hid the depth of the uh, evil they did because they knew the world would be revolted by it. Here, Hamas calculated correctly that much of the world would be overjoyed by it. And... and uh, you know, the the pogrom, the riot at the Dagestan airport over a rumor that a flight from Israel was coming. They smashed through the airport, smashed on the tarmac, were hunting for Jews. Um, it, it's unleashed uh, a an ancient hatred and violence and barbarism that's shocking. I have a little bit of PTSD from what I heard happen there. And, and that's just like you said, we've just heard about it. Imagine living through it, knowing someone who was affected by it. It's not just the 1,400 dead, thousands wounded. Absolutely horrifying. You were correct when you said that Israel had about two days of sympathy before the world turned on them. I, I felt a little bit like I felt on 9-11 when just for one moment the world loved America because for that one moment America was bleeding and on its knees. And yet when America stood up to fight back, the world turned against it. And that's happened even faster with Israel, and never before, like 9-11 was something, but that was actually before YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and TikTok. And I'm on TikTok and I feel like Hamas and Turkey and Iran have their own direct communications tool into the hearts of London, New York, Toronto, Melbourne. And that's never happened before. Uh, you know, during the Second World War, there was Tokyo Rose and there was Axis Sally. Those were English language radio uh, presenters who would broadcast demoralizing messages to the allied troops. But now you have direct into the schools and homes of, of, of a billion people, Hamas propaganda. I don't think that's ever happened before. And what I'm scared about, Avi, and this happened in London a couple of days ago, is 100,000 Brits. And when I say Brits, some of them are British citizens, many of them are not. But I didn't see a single British flag. They, they have a, there, it's a tribal support for the atrocious attacks, praising the terrorist attacks, and flipping the script on Israel, using the word Holocaust against them, using the word Nazi against them. I'm actually more worried about the West than I'm worried about Israel. And you're standing in London now. What do you think of all that? Yeah, so I was. I interviewed um, a local rabbi here at, at the Ark just an hour or so ago, that which, which will obviously publish um, in coming days. But he, he said he's planning on running away from London, taking his family to Israel. 
And let that sink in a second because I, I'm telling you now, Ezra, we were on the front line. It was scary. We were wearing a bulletproof vest and a, and a helmet, um, you know, running away from rockets at points, literally from mortars trying to get to safety. I can tell you now I feel safer there in, in Sterot in southern Israel than I do walking the streets of London. Now, why do I say that? Is because, yep, I, I you know, over the next, once the war is over, we're, there's going to be, we're going to find out more as to what went wrong. But at this point in time, certainly Israel was asleep at the wheel on October 7. Now, since then, it's gone into full gear overdrive. We've seen even something that I didn't believe would be possible. They've managed to rescue already one of the hostages, which which I, I'll be honest with you, I, I've been in the military and I just did not think it was possible. So, And I think it's important for the morale of the Israelis to for, for them to know that it's actually possible and Israel is going to be back. And I think that this needs to be an Antebi moment for Israel for a number of reasons. I think the Israeli population needs to believe in it. I think the Arab world needs to see that Israel is back. Um, but just to interrupt, Entebbe, for our viewers who don't know, was a, a daring raid when there was a kid, uh, hijacked plane in Uganda and Israeli special forces flew to Uganda and rescued all the hostages. In fact, Benjamin Netanyahu, um, his brother, was on that mission and, and died. Only, only death, yep. So just just a little bit. Of history. So, so a shock and awe, wow moment that gave Israel and Jews a feeling of strength and pride because I also feel a demoralization that the only uh, democracy in the Middle East and the only Jewish country was smashed and surprised and its strength and confidence was dashed. And I, I think that's a psychological injury to the Jews of, of the world and to the Jewish state. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's why I say there has to be that kind of Antebi moment, which, I, which, which I'm expecting, because that's the only way Israel is going to win this. When you talk about smashing Hamas, whatever that means, beating Hamas, there has to be something where the world goes, okay, don't mess with Israel again, uh, even with all the propaganda. But the reason why I say it's safer there is because now at this point, I feel like the, the Jews have, you know, a defense force. They have an army, they have an air force, they have um, the, 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 the Iron Dome, they have the bomb shelters, they've built all this to protect the Jews. Walking in London, if I walk in London and I get recognized by that mob, I don't think I'm very safe and I don't feel very safe. And, and it's not just in my head because you see it on the streets and you talk to every Jew here and they say they know personal stories and, and Jews are fleeing. Jews are fleeing the West. They're fleeing London to go to the war zone for safety. You know, Israel is obviously in a very dangerous place. 1,400 people murdered, 240 or so kidnapped, thousands wounded, rockets daily. But they have one thing that uh, the UK, with all its military might, and the United States, with its enormous military might, they have one thing that the UK and America and Canada don't have, which is they have come to the conclusion that the utopia of open borders, immigration, and that they have they are willing to name the risk and call it by its name, whereas here in London, where I, I went sort of in a very low-key way to, to the 100,000-person march for Hamas, and the police made almost no arrests. There were some scuffles. They didn't invoke any anti-terrorism anti laws. They didn't deport any foreign nationals who were inciting hatred. 
in fact, I saw a video of an indigenous Brit who said, what's with all these flags? He was arrested by police. My point is Canada, America, UK, Australia are still in denial. Every single day, thousands of people come who are not with the peaceful, prosperity, pluralistic, we can all get along, separation of mosque and state. No, they're not with that. Some are. There are some refugees from Islamic extremism who are who are become perfect Brits and Canadians and Americans. But I saw 100,000 people who, if they could, would. Well, they say it. They say they would have an intifada, which is a Arabic way basically of saying a pogrom. Just last night in a, in a uh, tube station, a, a, metro, a subway station, Liverpool subway station here in London, hundreds of pro-Hamas supporters shut down the whole subway station. And if you were a Jew, maybe wearing a kippah or other identifying marks, Star David maybe, in that train station, I didn't see any police. There might be a few transit cops. Would you be pogromed like that 500-person pogrom in Dagestan, Russia, where they were hunting for the Jews? I, there's a fear here because not just of, of the enemy, but that the, that the government has not in any real way realized it's in a war. And it's in Dagestan, Russia, Will it come to London and Sydney? They were chanting, gas the Jews in Sydney. And as far as I know, no one's been arrested, let alone charged, let alone deported. That's what's scary about London, Toronto, et cetera, is people are sticking their head in the sand like an ostrich. That's what's scary to me. I think there's two points that you made that, that, that remind me of two things that are important that for the viewers is one, when you say about the borders and, and Israel recognizing the issue, something that many outside of Israel don't know is that actually what Israel found on many of the terrorists were hand-drawn maps of each house including as much information as whether they had a dog how many kids and where it turns out this came from was that actually they talk about Gaza being an open-air prison but you can actually get a permit so Palestinians were able to get work permits to work in those southern um, communities in a lot of those kibbutzim and it turns out, because there were also some of the, uh, the terrorists that were killed were those same workers that had been coming in using the permits. I think now that's going to hurt their system because there's no, they're going to rethink the idea, which is, which is kind of the idea of open border immigration, trying to work in a way for peace. The idea was the more that you work with your neighbour and you talk every day, then you're going to find more in common. But in this case, it turned out, no, they acted nice to your face, but um, they were actually part of this plan to butcher and kill you. And uh, the other one is here, just minutes ago, I ran into Jimmy Carr. I'm a massive fan of his and I-, I, I He's a comedian. Comedian, he's, the, he's a very funny comedian. And I fangirl, fangirled him here and I actually pulled him up and I said, hey, Jimmy, I'm a massive fan. I don't think he believed me. I thought I, he was just trying to, I, go, I would love to ask you a few questions. He said, I'm not doing interviews. Um, but then I, I put the mic away and I went up to him, hey, Jimmy, I'm, I actually am a fan of yours. And I wanted to actually ask you, because I, we'll do, it's off the record, but the, what I was going to ask you is it was last year where an organisation here called Hope Not Hate um, tried its very best to have him cancelled over a Holocaust joke. Now, the joke was, it was a net, part of his Netflix series. It was quite a funny joke. It's not, it's, you know, it's a bit... It, uh, you, you can see it's a Holocaust joke, not for everyone. 
but they tried to have him cancelled for a Holocaust joke that he clearly didn't mean it's satire. And that same organisation, and, and, and that was widely publicised, and they, you know, they, they basically got props by prop, the Jewish community organisations were supporting this, this hope, not hate for, for that stance to have him cancelled. But in the last three weeks, that same organisation hasn't said a word about the hundreds of thousands that have marched for the street calling for the actual murder of Jews. Now, Jimmy went into an amazing rant after that. Hmm. Unfortunately, it was, uh, you know, I respected his thing not to be, we're not here out to get him. I actually think it's an important story for people. But that's the reality here. They, they're willing to dig their heads so far in the sand here to protect, I don't know why, to protect this minority that's not this weak minority in Britain. They're actually more powerful than any other community here. And they're willing to protect them against the smallest minority in the world. That's, that's what is mind-boggling and that's why, if anything, it shows us, it just demonstrates why Israel is so important for the Jews around the world. Um, its existence is so important because I could first, for the first time in my life, Ezra, I could see how the Holocaust actually played out and how it easily happened. You know, I, I feel the same way. And again, not for what happened in Israel, no. but for what is happening out here and how, you're so right, people who were expert at finding microaggressions and triggers and who need safe spaces because you misgendered me. I'm a zizer, they, them, not, you know, people who claim to be so exquisitely attentive to human rights and feelings are not only silent in the face of these hate marches, they're the ones marching in them. I, uh, they never meant it. It was all about power. And I always come back to what Dr. James Lindsay says, the thing is not, the issue is not the thing. Uh, the, revol the issue is not the issue. The revolution is the issue. So all these groups, these left-wing groups, these anti-hate groups, these, you know, gays for Palestine, how could it possibly be? You'd be killed in Gaza. Well, because it's a, a revolution against white people, who, and they say that Jews are white, even though a lot of Israelis are Sephardic. It's the decolonization cultural Marxism, we must destroy Israel. It's an arm of the West. We must bring it down. They're the oppressor. Um, they ascribe to, even though Israel has been victimized for millennia, they, they call it the oppressor. Even though there's 33 Muslim countries, Israel is the odious one. I don't know. I, I, I find these are dark days and I'm not sure how much appetite our audience has for it because I've been talking about it almost every day. But I would say that I would talk, I, I talked about 9-11 every day for a very long time also. And I see that this will engulf, if God forbid it, it, the fires keep burning, it'll engulf more than just Israel. I mean, it's bizarre to me that Bolivia has cut diplomatic ties with Israel and Yemen has declared war. Um, I think that, you know, I think your family was from Yemen originally. Tell me a little bit about that. Like your name is y Yemeni. Is it? Is, I think it's the Houthis um, terrorist group. Iran's uh, agents yeah. in Yemen. It's all a proxy war, and that's the thing. Like, you've got Iran here, and, and people. It, it's bizarre seeing the, what I'm calling the unholy alliances, whether it's on the streets of London with these socialist left, which, by the way, you see the Palestinians kind of looking at them, in, in some cases actually ripping these gay flags out of their hands. Um, but even the ones that are accepting them, they're, accept, they're accepting them for now, um, 
once they're done with the Jews, they're going to go for the gays. Like it's, it, you don't have to just read their own charter to know that, um, or just see the way they treat gays in Gaza to be able to, to, to be able to predict what's going to happen if they actually get their way either in Israel or here. You know, you make me, uh, you remind me of a video I just saw this morning of a Hamas leader saying there will be another attack that they want to kill another 1,400. And again, and again, they called their, their mission Al-Aqsa flood because they were flooding into Israel. And the Hamas leadership says, oh, we will do this again. It was successful. We'll do it again and again and again. Here, take a quick look at that video. Israel أمنية وعسكرية وسياسية للأمة العربية والإسلامية يجب أن تنتهي لذلك إحنا لا نخجل من نقول ذلك بكل قوة إنه صليل لازم نأدبها وحنأدبها مرة تانية وثالثة ومش هذا حتكون طوفان الأقصى أول مرة لا حتكون تاني وثالث ورابعة لأنه إحنا لدينا إصرار ولدينا قرار ولدينا إمكانيات أن نقاتل ونحارب لكن كما قلت لك بدنا ندفع ثمن نعم إحنا مستعدين معلش بقول لك بشكل واضح إحنا اسمنا شعب الشهداء ونفخر أن نقدم شهداء إحنا لا لا نريد أن نمس لا بالمدنيين ولا أن نلحق الأذابهم لكن أوقات لأنه في تعقيدات في الميدان صارت في منطقة موجودة وكان هناك في احتفال وكان في سكان وفي منطقة واسعة ليست سهلة على امتداد تقريبا 40 كيلومتر يجب أن ننتهي أن ينتهي وين بقطاع غزة لا بتكلم عن كل الأراضي الفلسطينية كل الأراضي الفلسطينية يعني زوال إسرائيل آه طبعا وجود إسرائيل غير منطقي وجود إسرائيل هو البخلق كل هذه الألام والعذابات والدموع والدماء هي إسرائيل مش إحنا إحنا ضحية الاحتلال نقطة آخر السطر لذلك ما حدا يلومنا إحنا شو اللي بنعمله في 7 أكتوبر في 10 أكتوبر في مليون أكتوبر إحنا اللي بنعمله مبرر it is justified مبررة when the enemies of Israel say cease fire they're not saying cease fire to Hamas Hamas is firing rockets every day they're not saying cease fire to the guy who just said we want to rape and murder 1400 more they're saying cease fire to Israel as if it was on the day after 9-11 or the day after Pearl Harbor I know I sorry I interrupted you all, all, all while not releasing the hostages right. that, that's what right. you remember this is a, that was a horrific attack on October 7 but the ongoing attack the fact that they still hold on to mostly civilian hostages including babies for babies. God's sake including babies, and that the world tells uh, Israel to cease fire. Listen, I, I think Israel needs to do what it should have done a long time ago, and that's ignore the world, do what's in its uh, own uh, um, in its own interest of, because it's, 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 its existence relies on this. It, you know, it depends on this. If, if Israel listens to the world, puts, you know, ceases fire, lets them have the hostages, um, that there is going to be no Israel in, in the very near future. You know, we're at this conference, and it's a wonderful conference. I've learned a lot. I've met a lot of interesting people. I'm still trying to understand a little bit about where this conference is going, and that's fine. It's only its first year. It's I, I it's a smashing success. There, uh, It's been a freedom-oriented conference. I'd call it a little bit conservative. They're talking about values. There's an interesting speaker. Um, Catherine Burble Singh, who's the head of the Michaela Academy here, which is the multiracial, multi-ethnic school. She's talking about how it's important to have patriotic values because if you don't give newcomers of different races and religions a tribe called the UK, um, sing patriotic songs, fly the flag. If you don't give them that sense of belonging and tribalism, they'll they'll revert to ethnic or racial tribes. So I thought it was a beautiful speech and very inspiring. So th there's some excellent content here, but and there's a lot of people here who care very much about what we're talking about. But look, life goes on for everyone here. And some people care. And I'm, I'm not talking about this conference. I'm just talking about life in general. Um, you know, the 100,000 people marched 
for for uh, Hamas the other day, and I'm sure some people thought, oh, those are customers. How do I get the customer base? Uh, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is, in reference to what you said at the beginning of our conversation, it is possible to see how the Holocaust can happen because there are good people who are upset by this, and there are also some people who aren't that upset. And then there's most people in the world who say, well, I'll be fine, and I'll just, you know, be a little bit more careful of my P's and Q's, but they're not going to kill me. And, and I am worried that too many people either don't care or maybe it unlocks a surprising latent anti-Semitism. I'm not calling everyone anti-Semitic. I don't do that. But, but there are some people who have startled me with their, people who I, I've worked with and, and have known have startled me with like just outright anti-Semitic, like, like Hitler was right. And you know, the, what the Jews are like, and they deserve like shocking, like not, not political commentary about, well, we should have this peace plan instead of that peace plan. People are saying essentially what Hamas is saying. And, and I guess it is the oldest hatred. And I guess, and it's just so weird to see it pop up in, in Bolivia, but I, why should I be surprised? It pops up everywhere. It pops up in places that there are no Jews. Yemen kicked out its Jews, and yet Yemen is still anti-Semitic. Mm. Yeah, but Yemen's been anti-Semitic for a very long time. They, they, they've had an Islamist issue there for, you know, the, my, my family escaped Yemen in 48 because the, the, um, it, it did turn against the, Jew, the, the, the local Jews. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're seeing today on a grander scale in the West as well. It's, it's the local... Uh, you know, t taking the Middle East conflict and feeling however you do about it, and taking your position, uh, and turn and, and, and basically t targeting the your local Jewish population. Um, that that's what's happened historically since '48, anyways. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Yemen is a it, it's it's declaring war. It's 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 just it's it's trying to make it into something that they they're trying to draw Israel into into that war with Iran and, and it's this alliance between Iran, Russia, China, who really I blame for all of this is the Biden administration because I think that um, this wouldn't have happened under Trump. Um, we wouldn't have got this far. It would have been first Ukraine happened because of Biden's failures and and, and now this and it's all, all it is, it's, it's a power thing between um, it's a show of power and it's, 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 it's that alliance testing out America here. I feel like they saw they can get away with whatever they want with um, in Ukraine. They realised that uh, Biden was just tough talk, no action, um, even even though they 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 received so much from Ukraine at the time, but they didn't actually back up who they who they promised they would, or not at least in a way that was more than 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 some sort of funding. And, and that's all being withdrawn. And, and whatever people feel, however they want about the Ukraine war, I think this war is very different. The only the only thing that's that's um, consistent through it is that I, I feel the reason behind it, the Russia, uh, the Russia, China, um, Iranian power shift is, is what this is really about. And for the, for that alliance, this is a, well, Russia has in Ukraine has a specific thing, but for the rest of them, for this alliance, it's, it's about dominating and, and taking control and shifting away from the America, the West, basically, um, holding, pushing the democratic values around the world. Um, and it's scary because uh, who knows? Who knows how this is going to play out and, and whether it's going to grow into something bigger. I really hope it won't. And I hope that, uh, that you know, the hostages are released and, and, and Hamas is dismantled sooner rather than later so that 
um, not only the Israelis can get back to uh, life and, 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 and healing from this, but also the Palestinian civilians, at least the innocent ones. You remember this, that it's not talked about a lot because we, we often talk about the innocent civilians caught up in the middle of it, but what people don't realise or, or purposely uh, avoid is the fact that when Hamas went in, on October 7, they cleared the way. In fact, our latest interview with the soldier who is who, who, a civil, who was an unarmed civilian, he's a reserve soldier now, but at the time he was an unarmed um, civilian who went to fight Hamas until he got a gun, went to fight Hamas as his 15 of his friends were butchered. Um, he said what he witnessed with his own eyes was the fact that Hamas was actually just going through, shooting the soldiers, shooting anyone with guns, killing a bunch of, but he goes, the brutality, the rapes and the, the, the cutting open of, pregnant women, the beheading, the, you know, the all these, many of the really barbaric atrocities were actually committed by civilians that had followed Hamas in, not the Hamas terrorists themselves. Here, let's watch a quick clip of that interview. So tell us, let, let him tell us what happened. Tagid Makara. שש ארבעים וחמש יצאתי מהממ"ד, נסעתי לכיוון השכונה החדשה בישע, שזה, אתה רואה משם את כביש 232, הסתכלתי, ראיתי שבעים, שבעים, חמישים מחבלים, משהו כזה, כמות אדירה, על אופנועים וטנדרים עקח. לא הבנתי מה אני רואה, קפץ איזה בחור מהחממה, אמר לי שהחברים שלו נהרגו, חילצתי אותו למיגונית, חזרתי עוד הפעם, לקחתי עוד חבר, שכל החברים שלו נהרגו. באוטו שהם חיצלו אותו על כביש 232, לקחתי אותו גם למיגונית, ואז הגיע ליאור, הסגן רבש"ץ של יש"ע וגיל אביטל, הגיעו שהם בכיתת כוננות, הגיעו, התחלנו להתארגן, לראות מה, הסברתי להם מה קרה, שיש חבלים, נהיה היסטריה, בקיצור נתקלנו במבטחים. הרבש"ץ של מבטחים הודיע לנו ש... שיש שם מחבלים, משהו כמו שמונה מחבלים. גיל וליאור, הסגן רבש"ץ עלו למבטחים, חנו את האוטו ליד המכולת. אני ירדתי ליש"ע, לקחתי את החייל שהיה איתנו, איתי נחמיאס, העליתי אותו איתי באוטו, <coughs> נכנסתי לתוך הכיכר. שהכיכר הייתה מחוץ אליה, מוקפת בשמונה עשרה מחבלים בהתחלה, והייתה אש כבדה, הורדתי את איתי בין ממן, ל... בין ממן לדן באמצע, הם ניהלו חילופי אש, אני נסעתי, נעמדתי מול בן נחום, דיברתי איתו, הוא חטף כדור, ואני גם חטפתי כדור באוטו, כמו שאתה רואה. מפה ומצד שני. כל האירוע הזה, אני הייתי בכלל בלי נשק, בלי אפוד, אני לא הייתי חמוש. רק לאחר uh, שעה התקשר אליי uh, הבחור uh, ממבטחים, רפי, אמר לי שיש לו נשק ואפוד בבית, ולקחתי, וארבע שעות הסתובבתי במושב ישע, לבד, בלי אף אחד, uh, עד שהגיע... כוח ראשון שזה כוח לוטר, וישר עלינו לחברים וראינו שהם כבר הרוגים, שהם לא איתנו. זהו בגדול. ואז המשכתי במושב עד שהרבש"צ הגיע. 
וזהו. אז באירוע... היה התקלויות, אחרי זה, לאחר מכן, עוד מחבלים שתפסנו ביום ראשון במושב, בישע, מושב ישע אנחנו. תפסנו שני מחבלים בתוך המושב, ככה שהם הורידו את הבגדים וזרקו את הנשקים בשטח, והסתברו כאילו הם עובדים זרים, כאילו עובדים עם אישורים. מזקנו אותם, שלחנו אותם לחקירת שב"כ, וזהו בגדול. אז היית איזה אחי בזמן הזה. אחי לגמרי, אני לא חבר כיתת כוננות, אני פשוט עוקב אחרי הדברים האלה, זה עשה לי תחושת בטן לא טובה. הבנתי שקורה פה משהו גדול, אני גר 18 שנה במושב ישע, אני מכיר את ההתנהלות, זה היה מטח לא סביר. כבר התחלנו לשמוע יריות, גם בגלל זה קפצתי החוצה. Well, Avi, I actually meant to talk to you about the ARC conference, and, and let me say this, when I, my comment earlier about people continuing on with their lives, that's not a disparagement to the ARC conference. Um, there are people here who are very concerned about the war, and there are people who are concerned about anti-Semitism, but look, for most people, life goes on. And I think in the 1930s, uh, in London, in America, in Australia, there were people who were really worried, but then there were other people who said, look, life goes on. And that's not really my fight. And the world was soon consumed by flames. And I hope it's not. But if you look at the trends, I mean, Joe Biden, as you say, is completely weak. And Rishi Sunak here in the UK, he's, he's going to lose and be replaced by Keir Starmer, the labor uh, leader. And they're going to be far worse. They are a, a deeply pro-Hamas party. And Canada has that fool, Justin Trudeau. And Germany and France talk about deporting extremists, but they haven't. And I, you know, look, it's not one man who would save the world if Donald Trump were president. That doesn't work that way. But there is no leader. I don't know where the world's leaders are here. And I, and I fear, as Yeats said in his poem, The Second Coming, that the best lack all conviction and the worst are full of passionate intensity. And that's what I saw on the streets here. I saw 100,000 people full of passionate intensity for what? They wanted the destruction of Israel. They were calling for war. They used the word ceasefire, but, but not for Hamas to ceasefire against Israel. Look, we talk about a lot of different things. I mean, you're going back to Melbourne and you, cover, you covered the, the referendum there, the, the ethnic uh, set aside called The Voice, and that was very interesting. We were in New Zealand together, and that was very interesting. And there's a lot of issues in Australia and Canada and in the world that we do cover. But I do believe that the world changed as much on October 7th as it did on 9-11. And people might say, no, that, that can't be. How is that true? Well, look at how things are realigning. And I fear that the world has taken a step towards barbarism. My God, I hope I'm wrong. You know, the worst thing in the world, Avi, is to say, I told you so. People love saying it. I told you so. I told you so. There is no worse thing in the world. than to, to be able to say, I told you so, at least if you're a worrier about the, the course the world is on. Let me give you the last word, and maybe you can say something more uh, positive. I don't know. Look, I, I have been in a, a bit of a fog because it has been the heaviest story that I've followed, the heaviest three weeks um, in, in, in my work. Uh, it, you know, COVID was hard times, but this was a big bang real quick and, and for all the reasons we just mentioned. But I think... Um, To what you were saying a minute ago where so much of the world, it's not the apathy that actually bothers me 
um, that much. Like, I think people shouldn't be apathetic, especially when the other side is so vocal and heading to the streets that way. Like, you should you shouldn't walk by that. If you see somebody bullying, you know, you should stand up. That's I know that's an Australian trait is to stand up and 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 defend that those that are being attacked by the mob, but. My bigger problem is with those who purport to, or pretend, and especially with large platforms, to say, we want to stay out of no more wars, no more wars, yet they're dictating to Israel how they should run. What I would say to those people, if, if you want to stay out of wars, just stay out of it. If you think that we shouldn't get involved, don't get involved. But you on one, one hand, talking about staying out of the war, but really you mean, screw Israel, we don't care what happens to that country. No. You don't like it. You don't want. You want us to stay out of it. Stay out of it. Let Israel handle it, because I can promise you now, Israel will at the end of uh, end of the day, like every war in history, they'll come out of it, and 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 they will, you know, they will learn from it and they will defend their people because their existence depends on it. Well, we talked a lot about Israel. Of course, the thing that scares me the most is how it is back home in Canada. I saw this image of a woman who was punched in the face, and uh, you know there there are. Uh, reports of assaults, threats at universities, including York University, which is probably the most highest Jewish um, percentage of kids in all of Canada. There's threats, there's um, assaults. Uh, that's what scares me as a Canadian. I mean, I, 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 I love Israel. I visited it, but I am a Canadian. It's my home. It's where my family has been for 120 years. And I wonder if, if the next 120 years will be as peaceful as the last 120 years. That's it for us here in London at the ARC conference. We didn't really talk that much about the ARC conference, but it is something we're going to keep our eye on. As you know, Jordan Peterson imagined it as a counterpoint to the World Economic Forum. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm hoping for the best. I, I, we like Jordan Peterson. As you know, Rebel News has been an ally of his since his University of Toronto days. I'm proud of the fact that we actually helped him. You might recall when he got started, uh, the government of Canada cut off all his uh, research grants. And I don't know if you remember this, but Rebel News crowdfunded about $100,000 and gave it to him to replace those government grants. So we've been on Team Peterson for a long time. We'll call it quits there, but we'll have more for you. Avi is going to have a book launch tomorrow night, um, if, if this airs on Thursday and Thursday night. And uh, we'll have news from that because uh, having a public book event in London for Avi Yamini, well, there's 100,000 people I know who wouldn't like that too much. Hopefully it'll be safe and go forward. There have been some cancel uh, attempts on the event, but the event venue is holding strong. Until next time, on behalf of all of us at Rebel, uh, well, we're not in the world headquarters, we're at Rebel London Outpost. To you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.